and welcome to episode 131 of the Average Man Podcast. How the bloody hell are ya? Light from the sky was that track that brought us in there, mate. And uh, I'm going to get straight into it, get cracking. I'm just going to do a little short number here. Uh, the, weekends are, the weekends are short and uh, the tasks are aplenty. So it's a Sunday evening right now. Uh, it's hard to find time. It's been hard for me to find time to, to pump these out um, with the... Uh, with the diploma that I'm doing, you know, everyone's got stuff on, but I've got this diploma I'm, I'm trying to finish, a diploma of building and construction. I've got one and a bit units left. So, like, you know, if I get four hours uh, on a weekend blocked out to do something, it's got to be that. So to then find another block of time to, to, to write up my notes and, and um, you know, get a quiet space away from the kids and, and um, all the craziness, then um, it's, it's hard to do that. But I'm trying my bloody best. Here we are, Sunday evening, mate. Got plenty to talk about. It is just making the time to sit down and do this. So we've had a casually sort of busy weekend. Uh, Friday night, we've got neighbours who live across the road from us who've been there for like nine, ten months. Uh, we wave to each other, you know, but we've never really have had passing conversations but we've never really had any any sort of actual catch up with them they got kids like similar age to ours they've got three kids um and they sort of popped over while we were at the front on friday afternoon their kids came in for a play and then i invited them in and they, they came in and we had a couple of drinks and a chat for a, for a few hours which was good man so we finally finally caught up with the neighbors um, they're a nice family, right across the road there. I think the the wife um, is is Canadian, and husband is uh, German, the German. So uh, yeah, they got you know um, different cultural sort of background to to what we do, and uh, but they're up here in the in the in the Pilbara doing the damn thing, man. And they get out and about. He, he old mate was out um, fishing this morning, and they got a camper trailer. And I think they try. They're fairly active family. They try and get out and, and about a fair bit, um, and the kids are like good well-mannered cute kids so that was cool man that 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 sort of happened on friday night uh then saturday i did um went to do the diploma in the morning uh once i've been going to work using the office at work to get a bit of quiet time take one of the kids with me generally so that the the missus doesn't have to deal with them both while she's trying to do housework and her other stuff whatever else she's doing so i took one of the kids took my daughter with me um did some my diploma then went past the shops uh, it is the wife's birthday this week, so um, yeah, had to get get a couple of um, yeah bits and pieces for her. Sort this out. Um, here, they're pissing me off. Um, yeah, so I went past the shops and got a few bits and pieces for the wifey, and then uh, my boy had a friend he had a play date on on Saturday, so the kid was was still here when I got home from work, little Ove. And the neighbour kids came over again without their parents this time, uh, just sort of rolled into the yard and started playing with our kids, which was pretty cool, man. So um, we kind of wanted, you know, we've always wanted our kids to have a neighbourhood sort of little catch-up session with other kids around the place, but it just has never sort of materialised until, until now. So they came in and, and hung out and played for a couple of hours yesterday afternoon. We didn't have to, didn't have to deal with, you know, like didn't have to... Um, socialize with the parents or anything which is cool because you know you're doing your own thing sometimes i'm sure they were doing their own thing we were doing our own thing you don't want to have to catch up and chat to parents and stuff all the time so the kids just came around and ran a muck outside which was cool 
uh, crew, and then the mum came over and grabbed them when it was their dinner time, and then had a uh, like a took my wife out for a bit of a birthday lunch sort of catch up thing date day today for a few hours just really just to get away from the kids for a bit my brother babysat the kids and it was just you know there's nothing to do in town at the moment like everything shit house we went past the walkie for a couple of beers and then it was like fifo central so we went to the espy for a couple of beers and there's you know three families or, or three groups of people spotted around the place basically fairly dead but had another drink there and, and then came home and and um then our kids were like going on about the neighbor kids so they ran over the road um when hang out with the kids themselves, themselves, uh, like without us. And yeah, I think they went over there and they fed them and hung out and played for a little bit and did some board games and stuff inside and, and then come home an hour or so later, which was pretty cool, man. So we've got this this little um, neighbourhood thing going on that we haven't had uh, ever before. So that's pretty cool, man. Um, you know, that's what it was like when we grew up. We grew up, there was... You, there was um, you just hung out with the kids in the neighbourhood and you just sort of went out the front and parents were inside. You just got your bike or your scooter and you cruised off around the corner to your friends' houses and uh, it was just normal, man. We all did that. I, I did that. My wife did that, you know, like... Um, so it's cool that our kids can kind of finally start having some kids in the neighbourhood they can just run off and play with. Man, it was good. It was a good little feel, good vibe to it. And then, yeah, I spent the rest of the afternoon, did a, did a cook-up, cook up some meat for the week. Or I usually do a pork belly on a Sunday and, and some other meat, like a slow-cooked meat, either a silver side or I did a brisket today. So I cooked that up on a Sunday and I got pork belly and, and brisket to get me through the week because I just take that with my, my other lunch, whatever it is, um, each day. I was supposed to cook up some liver today. I didn't get around to that until tomorrow. Which is, I think I've said this multiple times before, the absolute worst part of animal-based eating is the fact that when you cut out all the veggies to fill out the nutrient profile of your diet, you've got to eat liver or you've got to eat organs and liver is sort of the best of of the lot. And it's just not good. It's not good. It doesn't taste good. It it's the texture is is horrible. I've got it to a point where it is edible. Uh, but it's not enjoyable, not at all. It's still an effort to do it. But you look at the nutrient profile of liver next to any other food on the planet, and it is so much more dense in in every well, not everything, but in so many nutrients um, and vitamins and minerals, and you just can't you can't go past it if you're going to eat this way. So that is the downside of it. I need to cook up my my liver. Tomorrow, I've got uh, lamb's fry at the moment. Uh, it's hard when you buy it frozen because I can only eat a certain amount of t- at a time. So I got I actually got the reciprocator saw out today, which if anyone doesn't know what that is, it's like it's a tool. It's a Makita, oh, mine's a Makita tool, battery tool. Uh, it's got like a big, long blade on it that goes reciprocates, which is what's called, why it's called a recip saw, reciprocating saw, reciprocates back and forth, not really fast, it's for like, you get timber blades, metal blades, you know, for chopping through metal, or big chunks of timber, or you can use it for, you know, on PVC pipe, or, or whatever the hell else you need, so I chopped up the frozen 
lamb's fry into manageable portions and put the frozen ones back in the freezer and, and then defrosted one to, to cook up, you know, it'll, it'll, it's enough to keep me going for a week, the bit I defrosted. Because they, they, you buy it frozen. I'm like, if I defrost this whole thing, it's got, most of it's going to go bad. I can't eat that much liver. And you can't cut through it with a knife because it's frozen solid. So I got the old recip saw out, mate. I used the uh, the blade I used was too coarse. It was a it was a, it was a big timber blade, and it like made a mess of the side of the liver when I cut it and had to like wash it all down and get the because it, it made like a like a like a slurry, a bit of a slurry skin on the on the edge of the liver where it cut through. So. That can be refined, but yeah, managed to cut it into my portions and put the rest in the freezer, but I didn't cook the liver up today. I probably deliberately procrastinated on that, so I'll make sure it goes in the old diary and I cook that up tomorrow. Um, but yeah, and just the last week, man, has just been dominated with research uh, um, on caravans, caravan research. You know, we've been looking to buy a caravan for a while. Uh, we've got the old 1978 Franklin that my wife absolutely loves and you know I agree it's cool and quirky and funky but I just I don't enjoy having it I want a newer caravan that's got all the stuff that we need on it's going to make it easy to go away on trips and has a battery system and self-sufficient and just just I'm over the old van I'm over it I'm over it it was good for a portion of time to get us through a period once we sold the camper trailer but it has had it's day, in my opinion. So we're looking at vans. We're sort of just about to commit. There's a few logistics and options and stuff that we're weighing up. Uh, you know, a lot of the vans are over east, so I've got to figure out how to get the van from there to here. Do I drive over and pick it up? Is it worth bringing it on a truck and bringing it over? How much is that going to cost? So there's a lot of logistics that are going into that decision at the moment, but really most of the vans that we like are on, are on the other side of the country. And then... <sighs> was dealt a pretty big blow in this whole situation this week. Just something I was so dirty on myself about when I realised the the mistake I'd made. A massive mistake, a massive lapse in planning um, when setting up the ute that's really cost us... Um, options as far as what caravan we get so what i'm talking about is the weight situation right specifically bought and then if you're not into this sort of stuff man you might want to skip forward for five or ten minutes because i'm going to go down the rabbit hole on this stuff for a little bit here um when we bought the we bought the ranger you know we we're looking at a few different utes in that class like the d-max and hilux and there's the ranger and there's a couple of others um the main thing for us was, well, one of the main things was was, was obviously a good, solid, reliable vehicle. Price is another issue. Uh, um, uh, comfortability and room inside and, and towing capacity. Um, the Rangers have a 3.5-ton towing capacity, which gives you a lot of options to, to uh, with as far as which kind of van you can tow, what size van you can tow. So we definitely wanted the Ranger. Uh, we wanted that 3.5-ton towing capacity. So, you know, that and among other things, we, we chose a Ranger. Now, as you know from listening to the podcast, I've got the Norwell Canopy put on the Ranger as well. Uh, we've had the, you know, the, 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 the um, tub taken off the back and the, and the canopy tray and canopy and tray installed. It's a full-time canopy. It stays on the, there the whole time. And because of the extra weight that we were putting on the car, we've got the GVM 
upgrade, gross vehicle mass upgrade through padded suspension, which makes the ute able, takes it from um, being able to carry on its, not how much it can tow, but how much the vehicle can weigh from 3,200 kilos up to 3,500 kilos. So an extra 300 kilos constant load is what that van, that that you can now take with those new springs um and then so i thought we were all sweet and then uh, i don't know how i miss this is one of those things that once you realize what you've done you don't understand how you miss something so obvious uh in my defense it's a very convoluted discussion um i was googling and researching this stuff online for a long time and this this didn't jump out at me it was it was never made obvious until one person said it to me recently and I went oh, I don't think I have considered that and went back went back through all the bullshit and realized pretty damn quickly that I made a massive lapse in in judgment here and it's a rookie mistake and it's one I'll definitely never make again but basically there's a GVM which I just spoke about and I have had the GVM upgrade done there's another thing called a GCM, which is your gross combined mass. So that's how much your car and trailer can weigh together. And the Ford Ranger's GCM is six ton. So when you buy a Ranger, they're like about two, three fifty weight, and then you add your bull bar and your roof rack and an extra long range tank. And in my case, a canopy, and because you're putting all this extra weight on it, you go ahead and get a GVM upgrade so you can carry more weight on the ute. And all the while, missing the main larger point that the more that weight goes up of the vehicle, the more that chews into the weight of the caravan because the GCM is still only six tonne. So... Someone brought this to my attention the other day and I was like, yeah, okay, right. So I can't necessarily still tow three and a half ton no matter what. It's it's what I can tow. It's it's that GCM. It's that six ton is what you can, the car and the caravan can be. The heavier the car gets, the less towing capacity you have. So you start with three and a half. Everything you add onto that car brings that three and a half ton down, Right. So went and weighed the car, and the car comes in at like I did, I loaded it up. I threw all my tools and shit in there, and went and t- topped up the fuel tank and made those made sure there was water in the water tank just to make sure she was heavy, re- realistically heavy, um, as if going away for a for a trip or a long period of time. Went and weighed it, and you came in at three point four ton, three point four ton. So we put on like twelve hundred kilos of weight from factory just under and what that means is that three and a half ton towing capacity is out the bloody window and what we're left with is actually more like 2.6 ton towing capacity which is a super light off-road family caravan more like a hybrid camper trailer caravan really there are I fig- when I f- figured out what I'd done, I was 
so angry and so dirty on myself. And here's the thing. You think, oh, well, you can just go get a GCM upgrade. That's a thing. You get a GCM upgrade, take your, your GCM, your gross combined mass, up to seven ton, which is what they do with the Ranger. Sweet. Problem solved. Oh, yeah, you can't get GCMs done post-rego. It only can be done pre-rego. Pre-rego only. In Victoria and I think New South Wales and Tasmania, you can get it post-rego, but you will not be able to register those vehicles in WA, Northern Territory, Queensland, etc. So I wouldn't be able to register the car here if I was to even think about taking it over to, Queen, uh, to Victoria and doing it. So I'm buggered. So I'm buggered. So the car weighs what it weighs. Could have done this if I'd have known about this and thought about this at the beginning when I first purchased the car. I could have just gone it all done pre-rego and I'd have a car with a seven-ton towing capacity and I'd be laughing. That's not what happened. That's not what we landed. I'm now got my hands tied as far as how much weight I can put on this car, which means I'm looking at a completely different class of caravan to what I've been looking at for the last six to nine months, which is a heartbreaker. It's an absolute heartbreaker. So it took me a little while to come to terms with that, man. I've been planning this for a long time. I started thinking about this ute at the so Christmas of 2020. I started thinking about this ute and then bought the ute uh, August 2021 after you know, doing all my research and planning and, and all this and have been looking at canopies at the same time. Got the canopy, bought the, bought the canopy November 2021, had that fit March 2022, been putting other extras on and doing stuff to this ute. It's been like a, so it's been a year-long build on the ute and then another nine months before that, thinking about it all, planning it. When I get to the point where I'm just about to buy a caravan and realise I've fucked up the weight on it, and I can't tow the kind of, kind of caravan I want, man. It was heartbreaking. Heartbreaking, man. Um, so that's where we're at with that. Uh, I have since um, found some some vans that that would cut the mustard. They aren't, again, weren't the kind of vans I was really looking at. A lot of like, there's Jayco's. I could tow Jayco's, but I just, we just don't really like Jayco's, man. We just, have, we never have. We've never liked the Minems. We've always shat on them and said they're this and that and don't like the look of them. They look like 90s vans and they look like they're mass produced and flimsy things. And, and now all of a sudden I'm looking at Jayco's because I've put, boxed myself into this corner of the market where that's sort of one of the only vans that we can reliably, legally tow. Um, but we have found a couple of other vans that are going to be possibly, not possibly, definitely a little bit out of that legal weight range. Um, but the more I started looking into that, they reckon that over, well over 50% of the tech caravans on the road are over their legal GCM. They've done like things where they pull people over and take them to the wave bridges and one one of these articles said nine out of ten vehicles. The other one said like fifty seven plus percent of vehicles were over their GCM. So it's not like it's it's a pretty common thing. A lot of people are doing it. Doesn't mean it's right, but that's sort of where we're at. We, we may end up 
you know, we can play around with the way a little bit and be a bit more ruthless with what we take away with us and stuff like that. But yeah, there's a possibility that for the very for the right van for the right price, we may be a couple hundred kilos over at over at GCM. But I was so spewing when I found out that I'd done all that, man. It just took me so long to get where we where we are now and to realise that we fucked it up. And here's the thing about off road vans: the off road vans are really heavy vans, man. So. Oh, the heavier, you know, you get, you get the um, six-inch A-frame, six-inch chassis. Um, you get, you know, heavy-duty suspension on them. Um, you know, they're a more durable build, and it just adds weight as long as you go. So I think as well to keep – to really to, to be in the weight range that we need to be in, we're buying an off-road van, but they're like, are they really off-road? This is the thing. A lot of people will say off-road van, independent suspension, but then it's not the same as like a – like a Sunseeker or a Lotus or a Kedron or a Bush Tracker or like these real, real heavy and real heavy duty off-road vans with like uh, upgraded suspension kits and they got like, uh, you know, four or five inch lifts on them where these other ones have two inch lifts. So there's a, there, I, I think people are reluctant to call some of these other vans semi-off-road, but they sort of are like you may not be able to take a Jayco Outback Starcraft through the Gibb River Road or up to Cape York, people do it. People definitely do it, but you're probably far more likely to do damage to those vans uh, and have you know some sort of reciprocating reciprocating is not the right word. Some sort of recurring problems um, when you do take those vans in the real rugged off road conditions because they're not quite made for it. But I think people are reluctant to admit that. But that's the trade off. There's a trade off. Everything in the caravanning world, there's trade offs, man. And and for for weight, you trade off heavy-duty four-wheel-drive off-road, I should say, sorry, caravans. Uh, you trade off with spaces in the inside. Um, you know, there's obviously cost trade-offs as well. So we're in a big trade-off period right now, recalibrating, refocusing, and looking at what we want to get. Uh, it's a big lear- big learning curve for, for me for the future, man. You can definitely get a, a van lock, uh, sorry, a, 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 a ute in the class that we've bought and get a GCM upgrade and be, you know, fairly well in the clear as far as the kind of van you tow. Though I think you'd find you'd get up to that GCM maybe a little bit over pretty damn quickly still anyway. But, um, you know, if you have the money for it, man, just go off, go Land Cruiser, a 79 series or a chop 200 or a ram or something like that um silverado i don't really like them i like the rams but something big and just make sure you're something with a four and a half ton towing capacity if you got the money for it man hell you can afford to run that thing go for it and just keep yourself way out ahead in the clear because the more weight you put on it the closer you run to your gcm or if you run over your gcm you know you, you put more wear and tear on the vehicle and the and the and the, and the caravan the so that's always that to consider. So yeah, man, there's there's that. That was a real hit. That was a real hit to me this um yeah, this week. Bloody felt like a biggest knob, man. Moving on. Um I heard Zuckerberg on the Rogan podcast. I think he's on there probably about a month ago, but I heard him just this last week. Um what's his name? Well, I've just forgotten the dude's first name. Mark. Mark Zuckerberg was on the Joe Rogan uh, experience. And I gotta say, I did. My opinion of him did increase after hearing him talk face to face for for three hours and realizing that he, you know, he's an active guy, trains mixed martial arts, and he represented himself, I think, fairly well. 
um, stayed away from the political side of things and the ideological side of things more, you know, mostly and just stuck to the technology and the vision for the company and um, and I think you skirted around a few of the trickier issues, things about censorship and, and, and things like that. But in general, what came across was a, was a genuine uh, a genuine passion and care about creating a really good user experience and creating interesting, exciting and innovative um, platforms and uh, technologies that, that can be used for not just like a social media as we know it, but just in general social interactions uh, um, through technology moving forward, which is his sort of vision, his dream, which is pretty cool. He's got a few things on the go. So I think I was a bit captured by the, the vision that he has and the passion that he has and the fact that here's a guy who's a bit of a dreamer, like I am, who's got himself into a position in life where money's not the main objective anymore you got to make money and they are going to make money but the main objective is doing things that interest you doing things that that you're really interested in um that that becomes the main objective which i think is such a cool way to live your life you know not just about um, how much money can i make how i'm going to pay all the bills need to do this need to do that need to do this it's like get yourself to a place where you're like man these are the things i really want to do i'm really passionate about and i'm going to go for it you know chase after it with both hands so that kind of captured me a little bit hearing about him and the way he lives his life and the way he he runs his business um which was pretty cool man like they're definitely they're definitely limiting posts and 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 censoring people and i think there was especially around the misinformation around the you know the misinformation COVID 19 sort of saga bullshit there was a lot of a lot that went on went on there and Facebook and Twitter especially were, were lent on apparently by government agencies like the White House to, to ban and silence and, and uh, um, certain people. Um, this is there's documents showing these emails where the White House have emailed executives at Twitter and at Facebook saying we want you know such and such is saying certain things on your platform. What are you going to do about it? So there's a bit of that that's been going on but that's more the, I think, the machine of meta, you know, Facebook, rather than Mark Zuckerberg himself, who's been made out to be like this face of this evil corporation over the last few years, and it's probably not, probably not true. Probably just a guy that really had this thing's probably bigger than he he is able to manage and control at this point in time, and you know, it is what it is. It is a corporation now that's kind of not really just what one man's vision anymore that's what spawned it but it's kind of grown out of out of control from there at this point the the misinformation thing was bad um but i, I think what annoys me more about the social media companies and twitter is probably one of the worst um facebook they do this sort of stuff is is the the pushing of the the left wing ideal ideology it sort of bothers me the most and and the core of that seems to be that masculinity is bad like that's one of the core beliefs right that masculinity is bad um which is just wrong you know there's femininity and masculinity and and we need both of them and and it's not bad to be a man it's not bad to be a, ma- a manly man it's not it's not toxic just to be male and to and to have a, a strong uh, sense of masculinity that's that's not bad it's it's and this is what pisses me off right this is what 
young men are made to feel. They're made to feel bad for being masculine. They're made to feel bad for being men and having instincts and certain feelings and thoughts and, and just thinking about things a certain way. They're made to feel bad for that, like it's toxic, like they've done something wrong for just being men, for just being young men. Which is totally incorrect What the young men need Like so many young men are lost They don't know who they are They don't know what they're supposed to be doing They don't know how they're supposed to act They feel guilt Because they've been told it's toxic to be who they are And just feel the way they feel The inherent uh, um, instincts are are, are said to be bad Um, And you know look at suicide in in young males and in your males in general. It's through the roof, man. It's through the roof. There's a lot of pressure to be a, a male, and, and if you're a, a white male, especially if you're born with any sort of privilege, it's all of a sudden you, you you're you're like the the enemy for for doing nothing wrong. And what these young men need is is role models. They need guidance. They need healthy models of. Of, they need models of healthy masculinity to help guide them as they grow and change and, and become healthy men who can then teach the younger generations underneath them. There's this thing that's happened, and, and there's a whole psychology behind this. There's this thing that's happened over the last, like I think, 100 plus years um, where there's been a huge shift of um, populations – who were mostly agricultural, this is going far back, right, mostly agricultural um, societies and the sons grew up with the brothers and the uncles and the dads working out, you know, the farm, working the land alongside those men, learning from them in a healthy, more often than not healthy uh, uh, working environment Learning how to be men. Uh, I'll just drop something. Le- learning what it is to be a male, what it is to be a man. Learning, you know, from healthy, healthy, uh, um, you know, examples. And then a lot of things happened. One of the main things that happened was that that society ch- changed and became more. More often, more most people a city dwelling, which means men aren't working. You know. With their hands on the land like they used to, more um, men are obviously men are going to labour, but a lot of men are going into the offices, and, and just in general, men are leaving home to go to work, and and boys are staying at home, boys are staying home with mothers, uh, boys are going to schooling systems that's mostly run by women. Most teachers are women. It's like one in four, I think. Um, and and then there's all these movements that happen that you know were important, but there was the feminist movements, and there was um, obviously the women's rights movements, which was an important one. But a lot of these things had sort of some background negative effects on on men, like not growing up with men around them and showing them how to work and how to live and how to be a man, being raised by a mum at home, being ra- being taught by women at school, being told by women basically a lot of the time as they grow up what it is to be a man, how it is how you're supposed to act by women, which is is not the way it's supposed to to go. So you have these men who are trying to be something that they're that they're instinctually not because women aren't doing something anything wrong, but but women are, try, are, are <laughs> women are raising men from a fem, fem, female female perspective, right? 
So, man, I don't know how I got myself into this. This is bloody, I'm going deep here. So, you have this toxic masculinity that's been spread, uh, the, the theory of toxic masculinity that's been widespread lately, right? So anything that's that's seen as a, a overly an overtly male trait is is like bad, which is just not the way it is. We men we are, we the countries our country our society is is built on the backs of men. Um, not saying that men are more important than women. I'm saying that men are important. It's built on the backs of men. You know, obviously wars are fought by men. Um, a lot of the industry and everything that the the spoils of all that that we now. Um, uh, that we now enjoy are built on the backs of men. And again, I'm not, not discar- disparaging women's part in that because without the women doing their part in these whole roles and supporting these men and raising the, raising these children and, and all that, we don't have that either. But what I'm saying is men are not bad, but we've been made to feel like masculine, like masculinity and, and overtly male figures are, are bad. That's more and more what the narrative has been. And, I got myself in trouble based on this whole background sort of um, thing going on inside my head when I when I when I watch what's going on in society and how you know more and more gender is being turned into this uh, game. It's it's like you can just switch genders from day to day, and it doesn't matter if you, what body you were born in. If you feel like you're something else, then that's fine. You you, you are that thing, like all that. Uh, I I don't have a problem with people being transgender, like at all. I really I really don't. I don't. Adults, with adults being transgender, I should say. Kids should not be allowed to mutilate their bodies at all. They're not allowed to drink. They're not allowed to vote. They're not allowed to have sex. They're not allowed. To, they should not be allowed to change their sex. That's just absolutely ludicrous. But um, and this, that's a whole other discussion. But if adults w- w- want to change their gender, I, I, look, I think in m- probably I don't know, I don't know statistics. I would think most cases there's probably some 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 mental illness going on there that needs to be addressed, right? But I'm sure there is cases as well where, where this is just this is what these people need to feel happy and to feel accepted and to feel comfortable in their own body, right? I get it. I'm compassionate towards those people. Um, I would never uh, judge somebody poorly or or uh, uh, um, ostracise them or make them feel any sort of negative way because of their sexual connotation or because they had some sort of um, you know difference or issue or different differing views on gender than myself. Right? It's, it's not my business. I don't care. I, I am of the opinion if you're not hurting someone else. Um, then you you should be able to do what you want, and I don't even I don't even care if you're breaking laws. I don't care if you if you're taking recreational drugs. Uh, if that's what you want to do, and you're an adult and you're not hurting anyone else, I, I, it doesn't bother me. You go for it, man. I'm all about freedom, okay? But um, the the idea that that we have to learn all these different pronouns and if you say the wrong word like you say someone's old name you're dead naming them or if you accidentally call someone a he who's now identifies as a she and you're supposed to you've done something wrong all that's what what, what gets that's that pisses me off it's like i'm allowed to not care what you're doing 
and just worry about myself. And if I don't understand the thing you're doing, but I'm not going out of my way to disparage it or hurt you or or mock you or anything like that, then 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 if I say the wrong thing or I don't understand it, or even if I think it's weird, that's all right, man. I'm allowed to. I'm allowed to think it's weird. There's plenty of things I think are weird or I don't understand or I'm just not into. That doesn't mean I'm a bad person or that I'm trying to trying to um, hurt that other person. So there's this like it's overly sensitive this whole gender game that we're playing these days, you know. And it's kind of like a gotcha card, like trying to trap people into a corner where any answer they give is the wrong answer unless they just bow the knee and say, "Oh no, I 100% agree with everything you're doing and saying." And yet, change all the kids' sexes up, and and um, you can be a man today and a female tomorrow. And we need you know, just unisex toilets around the whole world. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm all for it. Like that seems to be the only uh, uh, acceptable answer in some of these circles. And this is the kind of ideology that gets pushed uh, on these left wing run social media platforms and that is where it gets too far man a normal just normal practical uh people like myself and like i think probably most of us just don't want to have a bar of that sort of shit but because of all this background turmoil that goes on inside my head and you hear all these different stories and you're reading up on this, that and that and you hear this interview and you speak to that person and, and listen to an audiobook about this and that and you're getting all these different bits of information coming into your head. I had this whole this whole conversation going on inside my own head, right? And then I went and put my foot in it a little bit um, on Instagram a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks back. I I saw an article or a story or something about this dude who I'd never heard of before, which was my first problem. Tarang Chawla, I think his name is. It's a weirdly spelt name. I think that's how you say it. And he was celebrating the fact that another guy who I don't know, or I didn't know enough about, which was my second problem, he was celebrating the downfall of this other guy, Andrew Tate, from social media platforms he'd been kicked off most social media platforms he was jumping up and down and this Chawla guy Trang Chawla who's basically like a male feminist which I do have an issue with again not that I'd uh, not that I'd uh, like when I say I have an issue with it yeah a personal issue with it None of my business if the guy's a male feminist. I don't, can I, can I, I'm not going to go out my way to go, hey, fuck you, man, you're a male feminist. Like, no, it doesn't bother me. But personally, I think that that's – I have my own opinions about that. But um, dude's like a male feminist and a journalist and a lawyer and he's like a women's, right, women's rights activist, which is, you know, um, you know, uh, 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 applaudable. But he, he does this thing because I looked into him a little bit. He does this thing where he like counts statistics of like um, male violence against fe- against females and rapes and things like this. He's like on his Twitter like counting them. Another guy raped some woman, you know, such and such today. And it's just like, okay, dude, that's like I don't think that's helpful because the world's full of pieces of shit people doing horrible things to other people. And some of them are male doing them to female. Some of them are male doing them to male. Some of them are female doing them to female. Some of them are female doing them to men. There's, there's, a, there's a, a million men out there in relationships 
with abusive women who make their fucking life hell and belittle them and fucking half these men end up swinging from ropes, that, that's going on every single day as well. We don't need a fucking running tally of it. Uh, fucking uh, another fucking man lost his family today and fucking committed suicide after his fucking wife took him for fucking everything he was worth and, um, you know, ran off with the fucking whatever, his fucking best friend. Like that sort of shit happens all the time. Um, but we don't need to keep a tally on it. That lady's a, that lady's a cunt, and that guy who fucking rapes some girls is a fucking monster, piece of shit. It does. It's not about sexism and and something that we need to keep it like a specific tally on uh, publicly like that. I don't think that helps the situation. No, you deal with the underlying issues, and but you, you, and you deal with them case by case. But I mean. Men do bad things to men, men do bad things to women, women do bad things to women, women do bad things to men. It's just people do shitty things, man. There's some bigger issues there. So that kind of got my back up a little bit. And then where I fucked up was I said, uh, you know, a weak man, something about this weak man celebrating the downfall of another guy on social media. This is what's wrong with the... This is what's wrong with society today. Something along those lines. I can't remember verbatim what I said. But I didn't know anything about this Andrew Tate cat, right? I'd seen a few 30-second clips of him on Instagram just talking shit. He seemed like a bit of a douchebag. Um, he was like an ex-kickboxer. I thought he was like a playboy type, type character who was probably a bit of a douchebag, a bit like a um, – a bit like a um, what's the other cat's name? Dan Bilzerian, sort of a little bit like that. That's kind of how I pictured him. And he's been kicked off social media. I thought that's bullshit. should be freedom of speech, blah, blah, blah. Well, some people that I know from locally around town, some women sort of had took um, uh, what's the word? They 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 took some uh, offence to to what I'd said and the, that I'd stood up for Andrew Tate, and they sort of came at me on on Instagram a little bit. One of these women I'm friends with, she's a really nice lady, but you know she had a difference of opinion, which is fine. And the words that that their arguments were so strong against this Tate dude, I thought, that's odd. And, uh, you know, a few other people online came pretty hard at me and I thought, that's odd. Like, they come pretty hard at me about this guy and they were saying this, things like he's he's advocating uh, violence against women and he's said all these horrible misogynistic things. And at first I thought, I don't know, that sounds like it's been drummed up by the media and been blown out of proportion. Let me do a bit of, you know, a bit of, um, rummaging in my own and see what I can come up about this character. So the more I looked into it, the more and more it appeared that he, he really is quite a piece of shit, this guy. And he may even have been involved in human sex slave trafficking and has been arrested for it and and he said all, all sorts of things about owning women and, and it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. And I was like, oh, man. I can't believe I got into a discussion and publicly stated support for this guy not being kicked off social media platforms and I knew nothing about him. I didn't know it was going to be that bad because they kick people off all the time. They kick Donald Trump off Twitter. They kick Alex Jones off because he's believing in conspiracy theories, you know. People have been kicked off. I didn't realise the dude was like like sex slave, uh, sex, what do you, like... Um, you know, sex slave trafficking and talking about, you know, like owning women and just, but he's a bad dude, right? He's a bad dude. 
and I am into free speech, but he, when he's talking hate speech and talking about you know physical harm towards other people, other women, or towards women, it's like okay, I'm with you. That's that's where you kick people off social media. I get, I get it, I get it, I get it. Guy's a piece of shit. So I put my foot into it, and I didn't know anything else about this Tarang Chawla dude. His his vibe annoys me, which is not enough to go after him on on social media again. I didn't know anything about him. So other women, lots of women, he's a hero, right? It's my personal opinion based on very little knowledge about the guy. I should have just kept my mouth shut. But again, it was a background frustration that I used this, this scenario to highlight, and I missed the mark on it. So then I had to go back and apologise to these, not apologise, but um, retract my support of of the situa- of this guy's situation and say, I, I don't stand behind Andrew Tate. I didn't know anything about Chawla. But in the same breath, one of the ladies on this this Instagram post uh, it mentioned that it was disappointing that I'm raising the next generation of people, which really got my blood boiling, man. Like, she come after me as a parent over my over a difference of opinion and a difference of a point of view. So I wrote a big, long-winded spiel back to her about, you know, my background uh, thoughts behind this whole post and how I didn't mean to stand behind Andrew Tate and I don't stand behind him, and I take that back. But this is my points moving forward, and I don't appreciate you disparaging me as a father because I have a difference of opinion to you. And, of course, she didn't write back to me after that because she'd got a little one cheap pot shot off on me. Um, and just dipped out of the conversation, but it was, it was, it was, it was a stressful couple of days while this was all sort of unfold, unfolding, man. And mostly because I actually know the people from locally around town. It's not like they're just randoms from from the internet. But um, definitely the moral of our story, man, is it's just not worth getting in in internet discussions of such magnitude. For me, it's not anyway. I think. Uh, arguing with people on the on the internet, it, 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 even if you're right, even if you think you win the argument, it, you feel like shit. You never come out on top. It's not a good situation. It's just not a good, not a good place to be. And yeah, that that was negative, 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 negative. I think this is my platform here. If I want to speak about some of the things I've spoken about today, um, um, I just want to be really clear on that. That this is coming from a dude that has a really close relationship with my mother my sister. I've got a beautiful little girl who I adore. Uh, I've got a wife who we're on equal footings and standing in our house. Like I'm not a a misogynistic um, um, guy uh, at all. Um, I just think that men need people to stick up for them a little bit at the moment, especially young men who, again, don't know what where they're going in life, don't know who they are. They're told they're bad just because of who they are. They need guidance in life. They need strong male role models, and there's a few of them kicking around. There's not enough, and the one, a lot of the ones who are out there get get demonised for being men. Um, so you know that's something I definitely try and do day to day in my actual life with guys. I know some of the younger guys and stuff. I try and be like a role model for guys and help them choose make better decisions in life and. Um, yeah, the, we, there's this, there's a male energy that needs to be directed, or it can become negative and toxic. But that doesn't mean that just having that male energy, that masculinity, doesn't mean it's it's bad on its own, man. Which is which is the point of the whole story, and which is I think what 
is a bit of the of the narrative out there in the world at the moment. So that's something that I think we could talk about a, a fair bit more. And um, where some of my passion lies at the moment, I think. So, and it's tied up in the whole free speech in the public domain debate that's sort of going on in the background at the moment. So. That's probably enough bullshit for me for now. I don't know why I decided to go so deep down on the psychology of of masculinity in the middle of the podcast here, but it just um it just rolled out, man. It is what it is. So uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Um, what did I call it? It was a bit of a phone in the the song tonight. I, I couldn't think of one that really uh, um, spoke to what I was talking about during the podcast i just found a track with an intro that i liked light from the sky told it doesn't mean anything hope you guys enjoyed that one starting to record these podcasts and put them up on youtube again my bloody gopro dropped out in the first five minutes and said problem problem reading the sd card so this one won't be up there but last week's is up there on the youtube and they will be on there moving forward as well so if you want to watch these on youtube do it that way instead and go and friggin Follow, subscribe to my YouTube channel, man. Do it. Help me get the numbers up. Watch some of your videos, bro. All right, man. Take it easy. I'm going to get out of here. Sunday evening, I'm going to go chill out and watch TV for half an hour, 40 minutes with the miso before I jump into bed and call it a night and get up, go to the gym in the morning, start my week fresh. All right. I'm on. I'm just talking shit now. I'm going to go. Take it easy, guys. Over and out. Episode 131. Peace.